This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Whisper Network. I'm Dr. Nikita T. Hamilton. All right, this is the Whisper Network, and today, so lucky to have two amazing actresses and acting coaches, Lynn Adriana and Marcia Tillman. Both of them have been in an array of amazing things. You've probably seen their faces, and you didn't realize that you were seeing amazingness. And both they uh, teach at I Am Marcia Tillman Actor Studio. It's where I go to learn more about acting, and I'm so glad that I've been going for almost a year. You guys have known me for almost a year. It's, it's so it's a little crazy. Um, and definitely need to plug the Hate You Give, which Marcia is a part of, and her husband. Uh, he directed it, George Tillman Jr. It's coming out October nineteenth. It's a movie for everyone. Get your people together. Go see this movie. It looks so good, and I'm so excited to go see it. And we're gonna get started on questions. So, first question: When both of you were growing up, did you know that? your now career was a job i knew movie star was a job and i my father was a professional musician i grew up kind of accepting and knowing that being an artist was a job Mm -hmm. my mother was also a painter so Mm -hmm. it was very much a part of my childhood and yeah i definitely knew that i don't know that i understood really what being an actress was i was more focused on the concept of movie star (laughs) kind of my focus as a child yeah but yeah i knew it was a job cool marcia And when when did you know that this was the career for you? When was that moment that you were like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? For me, it was very, very early on. Definitely by the time I was kind of aware of film and TV, I already knew. I was had my first lead in the play by the time I was six. Wow. Yeah, it's been a lifetime. <laughs> Good choices, yeah, I think. I had my first lead in a play by the time I was six. Wow. Yeah, with a bunch of teenagers. And then I was the star of the play. I I still can't even really conceptualize how that worked out. But it did. Wow. Yeah. That's so impressive. What about you? When did you know, like, acting was for you, Marcia? When I knew it was something that I wanted to do was when I was failing all my classes in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Except (laughs) trauma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where I excelled in that age. In all drama classes, I at the time had a boyfriend that was wanting to be an actor, and I was like, "Well, what's that? That's you taking it's a drama class." 
Once you figure out what you want to do, I think there's, it's really interesting the difference between what you think the route is to what you want to do and what the actual routes are to what you want to do. So what did you think the route was to, you know, being a professional actor? Well, I spent my whole childhood fantasizing about what my life would be mm-hmm. when I was free of my parents' <laughs> rule <laughs> and able to go be like an adult. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure that within moments after my emancipation i would be like discovered and i'd become a movie star very quickly and i would live this very glamorous life Mm -hmm. and and that was what i kind of built that's what got me through my childhood Mm -hmm. honestly was this kind of fantasy life that i built up about what my life would be as an adult Mm -hmm. and then the reality of it Mm -hmm. was so starkly different yeah because you know the reality was I started as a dancer. Mm-hmm. I kind of put acting to the side and I went and became a professional dancer and was kind of doing very well at that and touring and getting to see the world. And I just kept having this pull to be an actor. But when I was a, once I was a grown up, I realized I actually didn't know how to act. And so my first, the first thing I did was I got myself into a conservatory. I, I quit being a dancer, even though I really was doing well. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go learn how to be an actor now. And that's what I did. And then I went and I did theater in New York for five million years. And now yeah. I'm here. Doing now you're in L.A. Yeah. yeah. So, doctor. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Marcy, what did you think the route was to to professional acting? I, I think the route to professional acting means surrounding yourselves with a lot of people. People like you. People who have the same interests as you. Going spaces as those people. And from there, it just opens up your mind. Actually, um, I, always, I always think it's affecting each other. So it becomes like this infectious, beautiful disease. <laughs> so where we all kind of tag each other and we feel from that and you end up discovering things that you never knew you could do. Because why? I affiliated myself with the um, like-minded people like myself, and it filled and it became something even more powerful than what I even thought. Whether it's powerful, it could be good, it could be bad, you know, you know, but surrounding yourself with people who are trying to achieve the same goals as you and have the same outlook on life as you uh, is very important. Mm-hmm. I hope that answers your question. 
Yeah, I think, well, Marcy, you mentioned it kind of in your answer to the previous question, but you said, you, Lynn, went, Lynn, you went to a conservatory and Marcia, you went to school for um, like acting. So one of the important steps to being a professional actor is training. So what did that look like and what did that entail for the both of you? You know what? It was, it was again, encouraging and could be discouraging because sometimes you find that, you know, the ones who are teaching you are the ones who, you know, are frustrated that their career did not, you know, uh, pan off. And here you are, young, spry, full of energy, and you say, you know, that, you know, the world is mine, and I'm now hungry. So um, I had some uh, teacher, a teacher in particular at Columbia College who was discouraging because it actually gave me momentum. But, you know, she kind of told me that I, you know, I couldn't do it and I wasn't good at it. And I need to try something different because I take things to the extreme, she said. You know, if I tell you to do a scene, I don't mean come to class dressed like it. And I came to class dressed, ready to go with props and everything. Because <laughs> I wanted to be in the scene and it just disturbed her. So instead of encouraging that, she downplayed that. But on the other hand, I had another teacher, Nick Napier, who encouraged me. He was also at Columbia College, who encouraged all, you know, all the good stuff about me and the bad stuff that I thought that I had in me. He encouraged, he encouraged all of that for me to bring it all out, bring it to the surface, you know, and use it. Don't run from it. Which gave me the strength to say, you know, use all the things that I'm insecure about myself. Because, I mean, Let's face it, you know, we grew up with so many freaking insecurities that's been put on us by, you know, family, friends, just life, you know, that we carry with us. So he actually was able, Nick Napier, was able to get me to bring that forth and use it. So, yeah, for me, so I went to the William S. Burr Studios in New York and I, and I did the Meisner Conservatory there for two years. That was my first real taste of acting training, although mm-hmm. I had worked quite a bit as an actor as a child. Mm-hmm. I just never really, I was just going by instinct. And then after Esper, I kind of tried, I was super interested in the Labyrinth Theater Company in New York, mm-hmm. and I was doing everything I could to try and affiliate myself with that company. And so I went and I took classes there, and the classes ended up being wonderful, and I made a lot of friends there. I unfortunately did not make it into that company, mm-hmm. but um, I still have friends that, that are lifelong friends that are company members. And actually, part part of the reason I moved to L.A. was because I didn't get into Labyrinth. Okay. And I was just, I felt very frustrated by being in New York. I felt like I, I couldn't grow anymore in my own hometown and mm. go to Hollywood because <laughs> I wanted to do film and television anyway. I, really yeah. did. I love theater and I grew up doing theater, but I really wanted to experiment with other mediums. So when I moved out here, I immediately got myself into a class and the first class, the first place I studied here was Beverly Hills Playhouse mm-hmm. with the great Milton Katselis. Who, oh, wow. yeah, who, much to my chagrin, died three months after I started studying. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, I got myself into this class with this incredible man, and I really felt like he saw me. Mm. And then he passed away. So, so I didn't stay there. I wasn't. But I did get to study a little bit with Richard Lawson there, who I love. 
And then I just kind of have always just hopped around from studio to studio. I spent two years studying with Diana Castle at the Imagined Life. I adore her. She changed the way that I work. I've lived kind of a big, big life. I always would just draw from personal experiences in my work. And through Diana, I really learned to leave myself out of the equation and, and work strictly with imagination. And it was some of the best training I've had was with her. And now I'm studying with John Markland. I mean, I just, I feel like you have to stay in a class if you're going to do Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, it's, and, you know, not to generalize people outside the industry, but I do think that for me, there was a general sense like, oh, you want to be an actor and then you just somehow start acting <laughs> and then you get to be on television or get to be on film and you had to train. You train and you continue to upkeep your apparatus, which is like your imagination and your body and the way that you use it. And um, that was some, one of the, one of the reasons why I was like, I want to go into this acting class, not necessarily at the time being like, I want to be an actor, but as a writer, I was like, this is going to be helpful to me to see how actors interpret writing, how what they do with it and the kind of exercises you guys go through to do it. So when I got in and, you know, Marcia was like, what's the moment before? And I'm like, you didn't give me all the pages of the script, girl. If you want to know what <laughs> what happened before, give me the whole script. I'm the writer. I know what happened before. So it was it was really interesting to see creating that in your own mind. And I think that was like one of such a, one of the really cool things about acting class and like the things you can learn and the different techniques and strategies that um, you all implement. But also, it was when you were when you had mentioned I am in class. I was like, oh wait, they never stop. <laughs> they never, they never stop. And I think that's an important kind of note. And on top of that, you guys never also stop like auditioning. So what is, what is the audition process look like? And I do just want to say, just in addition to what you're saying, and I'm sure Marcia feels the same way is teaching acting mm -hmm. has taught me to be a better actor. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Yeah. And also first let's talk about how you guys met. <laughs> how did the two of you meet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a love story. You want to tell the story? You tell it. Okay. So I had just had a baby. Mm -hmm. and of course, it would be so different if Marcia told it, but I just had a baby and I was feeling especially dumpy and horrible about myself. Mm -hmm. And our mutual friend, Maishi Yearwood, who's a writer out of New York City and is fabulous, was having a reading and uh, she invited me to do the reading. And I was there nice and early, as I always am. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> early and post baby early and chubby and so and we were waiting and waiting and waiting and then all of a sudden this fabulously sexy woman <laughs> walks in and i remember what she was wearing she had fierce stiletto thigh high boots Ooh, marcia baseball cap and her hair was big and beautiful and she was so I mean, she, you, she's stunning. Mm -hmm. She walked into the room and I was just like, oh my God, look at this woman. And the second she walked in, like all heads turned and then it was time to start working. Like, okay, Marcia, <laughs> <laughs> but you, Marcia always makes an entrance. Like she comes in and we're all like, Marcia's here. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm like, what kind of jumpsuit yes, and heels is Marcia going to be wearing today? Yes. Love it. <laughs> Doing your jumpsuits and your heels, girl. <laughs> With the reading, mm -hmm. started the reading, and while we were reading, Lynn, just her her personality 
stuck out to me. We were literally across the room from each other. Hmm. You know, um, I, I went in there not knowing anyone. And her personality, when she read her pages, it was just delightful. She just seemed to me to have such a, you know, rounded sense on life. Like she was a well-cultured girl. You could just tell by her reading that she was, you know, well-read, well-versed. She was just full of energy and dynamic. And I just wanted to know her and to, you know, be next to her, you know? And <laughs> I'm blushing. You. We had like 16 people that, was, that were reading. And it was something about her that just stood out to me. You know, at the same time, you know, she was tough and warm, you know. And I'm a very, um, you know, uh, well, some people would say I'm nice. <laughs> Most people say I'm nice. So I always prefer people who are the opposite. <laughs> you got like a little yin and yang thing going on. <laughs> with and so I approached Lance mm-hmm. about, you know, just, you know, coming to hang around. I think at the time we were, I had kids as well that we were teaching on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And just to come around and, you know, see how she felt with the energy of everything. And with, you know, working with me and I am Marcia Tillman after studio, you know, and I really loved her reading and my Isha's uh, reading. And, and so we just kind of, you know, did it from there. To have been, I mean, to have been approached by you I, was such a thrill, to be honest, because like I said, I was coming from, you know, just kind of like hibernating, basically, mm. in mom land, and to be approached by this beautiful, open-hearted, generous woman, and at the time, you guys were getting ready to do The Longest Ride. Right, yeah, yes. And so we talked a bit about that, and I was just so, like, I was so impressed by you, and and... So, yeah, it was, it was a mutual affection. And that's how I Am Marcia Tillman Actress Studio was born? No, it was already born. Oh, so it was just I on Saturdays with her. kids. Okay, okay, okay. I kept coming around. I mean, <laughs> she she may remember that she invited me. <laughs> uh, my memory is that I stalked Marcia into giving me the job. <laughs> no, I, 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 I thought I was talking to you. Like, no way. Yeah. Okay. So that's how, Lynn, you got on the team. Yeah. Got you, got you, got you. So you were saying you feel like be- teaching has made you a better actor. What exactly about teaching has made you a better actor? You know, this business is forever changing and growing. And as far as the, the actors that come through our studio, I'm sort of learning from them because I'm learning uh, – as far as like, you know, the new apps that are out, you know, I'm learning new places to go. I'm learning um, different techniques, even through our actors that we teach, you know, their style. I'm learning just from Lynn as well. Some of the, the exercises you bring to class, you know, actually help me not only in acting, but in, in my everyday life is what we stand by at, you know, I am Mercy Tillman Actor Studio, is that you can actually implement what we teach and use it in your daily life. And, you know, our model there is great things are supposed to happen to me. I expect it. I have to say that I've learned through 
the young and the old that have come through our studios with what they're doing different out there when we're going to audition. How, you know, how they're um, now in this industry, we can just upload from our iPhones. You know, we can have that. There were no self-tapes when we were starting out. There were no iPhones. Do you want to explain what a self-tape is? So sometimes the casting director will request that an actor, as opposed to coming into the office for whatever reason, just records their own audition. Mm -hmm. And then they ask that you upload it either to like a casting site or I often upload mine to my Vimeo page mm -hmm. and then just send people the links. But it's it's basically in lieu of an of an in-person audition. Right. And it's usually with um they, the... The writers from the show will send sides, which are just pieces of scenes with that character so they can see how they do with that material. There's so many, as far as technology goes, that that's new to me that I'm psyched to go on to actually show my work, you know, or you know, so there's constant learning. Every time I'm in class, I learn something new. Mm -hmm. Even if it's in critiquing an actor's performance to see the way that they look at it, you know, and not to mention when we are auditioning for our movies, some of the auditions I've been in on, which was like the longest ride, the Hate You Give, the one that we have coming out October 19th. <laughs> plug it, plug it, go see it, go see it. As well as that one, seeing, sitting in on the auditions and seeing the different processes, you know, that, that you know, that today is offering, you know, for me and my husband, it's different. So we're constantly learning new things through, you know, technology, through the, the younger actors that come into our studios. And yeah. I want to explore that more. So the great thing about the two of you is that you've kind of gotten to be on both sides of that audition process. So what does it, what is it like to be auditioning, but also on that audition grind? Because it is a grind. You know, the thing about, I love auditioning. Mm -hmm. I really do. I mean, I, it took me a long time to be in the circle of people who audition a lot. So I'm very, very grateful that I, that I do audition as much as I do. Of course, I would like more opportunities, but, <laughs> but compared to where I was 10 years ago, you know, when I first moved here and I couldn't get, I only could get auditions through backstage. Mm -hmm. I'm very pleased that I, I get as many opportunities as I do. That said, um, it's a challenging thing because especially when you get an audition for something that you really, really, really want, mm -hmm. a part that you really feel has basically been written for you. And you can't help but to start thinking, oh, well, if I, if I book this role, I get to work with this amazing person whom I admire, or this might change the trajectory of my career and, and bump me up a few pegs. This mm. change. You can't help but to let your imagination go yeah. when you get certain auditions. Mm -hmm. And then, so there is always kind of that disappointment piece mm -hmm. uh, that you have to deal with. I mean, even when you're when you're a person who's working, there still are always disappointments. Yeah. And, and that's mm -hmm. something we have to learn, you know, we have to recognize and come to terms with. And that's life. You know, that's life. So acting, again, you know, reflects our life as well. So it's full, full of disappointments and how you deal with that, which is what I love about our studio, 
It's that all these still actors is a way to, you know, it's a safe place. A way to get out, you know, either anger, frustration, however it is you're feeling. To let us, us and other actors feel, feel that, that void. I always think, too, that this business, being an actor, is where we're told no so many times. So many times. And that we're, we feel that we're not good enough. That we need a great support team of people to let us know, you know, we are worth something because we can go there. Right. Was there ever a time where you wanted to quit acting and like how did you pull yourself out of that? Yes, it's a little bit different. And, you know, for me, there was a time and it was because uh, I was auditioning and I'm really, I'm one who loves to audition, which is really weird. <laughs> I love, I love to audition. And I booked uh, a job and I noticed that people treated me different and it was because of my husband, George Tillman, that they treated me a little different. And it just put a bad taste in my mouth, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because then it became more about, I started to question myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, am I as good as, you know, as I think I am and as I've been told that I am? And, you know, or is it just because? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my husband and they hope that, you know, our production company, State Street Pictures, will pick up their film, you know? So it made it then, not to mention the director became uh, a real, I don't know, can we curse on here? Yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Asshole>. Yeah. <laughs> the director was a real asshole because he was also jealous of my husband. Mm. And I didn't know. So he would take a lot of things out of me. You How'd you pull yourself out of that, though? Oh, well, again, having a good team of people and surrounding yourself with a, a great team. I have some, I have a great husband of no one, <laughs> but I have great friends, you know, and family, my mom, that spoke to me and prayed for me and told me, you know, that this guy is full of shit, playing tricks. Because, again, I went into, my, you know, what's wrong with me? A strong team of people around me that loved me and, you know, would say, record him to SAG, you know, mm-hmm. which I did not do. Because, you know, this was a moment for me to grow as an actor, too, because I try and seek every opportunity, good, bad, ugly, I don't care what it is, 
has a moment to learn my feelings and my emotions and where I am right now, how my breath is, how am I breathing around this person, you know, to concentrate on that. But my family, my friends, really a strong team to let me know that, you know, I'm just Yes, you are. Uh. <laughs> Lynn, what about you? Yes, I work quite a lot. <laughs> and that's present tense. Yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't really know, but I've gotten very lucky and I've worked with some amazing people, but mm-hmm. I've never, with your power away, she's told <laughs> me. It's hard to make a living, you know, when you have a child and you have mm-hmm. a family and you're kind of just going in for small parts. Mm-hmm. That's been my struggle for, for several years now, is kind of just not being able to get out of this kind of co-star place. Can you, could you explain what kind of the levels are? Sure. So um, the co-star is the, the person in the, in the episode or in the film who has generally five or under lines. Mm-hmm. It's just usually a small part. They're essentially there to deliver information or move a story along. Um, the guest star is, in a television series at least, is usually the person that that particular episode is about or is someone who's going to be on the set and be integral to the episode. So they'll be, you know, working for at least a few days or a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are recurrings. Mm-hmm. And recurring, they have recurring co-star and recurring guest star. But recurrings are people that are going to be coming back from episode to episode from time to time. Um, and then there are the series regulars or the series, well, there's the series regulars and those are people that you'll see on every episode. Mm-hmm. And then there's the series leads. So that'll be like the Mariska Hargitay is the okay. series lead of SVU. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other regulars who are on the show every week, but Mariska is the series lead. lead. Okay, cool. So for me, I, you know, I've kind of, it's so hard to talk about because I want to make sure that I, don't discourage anyone and I mm-hmm. you know and I don't certainly don't want to talk in a negative light about myself mm-hmm. because I feel great about myself yeah as but, you should as I should <laughs> as we all should but I I have kind of struggled with you know I, I mean my my dream when I was a kid was that I was going to be a movie star mm-hmm. and of course that has evolved and it's become far more grounded and far more realistic but even though I'm fortunate enough to work you know, a couple of days a month or a few days a month on this show or mm-hmm. that show, it's still uh, difficult to, I don't have a job. Mm-hmm. I'm unemployed again. You know, I worked on, I worked on July 13th and now I'm unemployed again. Yeah. And I don't know when I'll work again. And if I work again for one more day, then that still is not enough to pay a rent or mm-hmm. pay my daughter's daycare. So yes, I think about quitting often. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately with me, this has been a lifelong thing. Mm-hmm. It is still something that I work for and I and I long for and I love so passionately. I I cannot imagine doing anything else with my life. Yeah. I mean I think about like being a therapist or I think about just trying to be like a full time teacher and it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel right now. And I, I hope that, I, I mean, I hope that things will change one day and I'll get to do this on a full-time basis mm-hmm. and I won't have to worry about those kind of realities of what it is to be an actor. Yeah. Um, someone, they put, it was really interesting. They wrote an article, I read an article re- recently, I think it was in the Huffington Post, 
about the realities of what it is to be an actor now versus what it was to be an actor 10, 15, 20 years ago. Hmm. Because there's so many networks and because there's so many different contracts now, mm -hmm. it's just not possible to make the same amount of money mm. that, that one used to be able to make, you know, 10, 15 years ago. You know, an actor in my position 10, 15 years ago might have been able to earn some decent, really good money yeah. and, and been able to exist. Live off of that. And live off of it. Whereas now, because, you know, I'm, I work on Netflix and then I'll work, you know, I'll work on FX. And mm -hmm. these are great networks, but the, co the contracts for the smaller cable networks are different than the contracts for the major networks. Right. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated issue. Right. Kind of this expanse of tech and streaming has kind of changed what the game looks like altogether especially for actors yeah. all right well that was great Sorry, <laughs> thank you for sharing no thank you but the, it was it's useful because I, I do think there are a lot of people outside the industry who just don't know how it works to be an actor and then you hear someone you know especially when you see you, you have you've never seen someone and then all of a sudden they appear right I remember mm -hmm. being a kid and I really I watched the Disney channel a lot and I watched Lizzie McGuire and I was like I've never seen her before she's a movie star and it was like and she was talking about how she's like I've been trying to get a part I've been getting told no since I was like a very little kid and you don't know that until someone says I get told no more times than I get told yes and in far greater number and I, I think a lot of people just don't realize what that looks like or the fact that it's also a little bit different now where you have someone who could be like an Instagram star and all of a sudden they get to be on like a movie and you're like what just happened yeah. <laughs> as like vine videos and now you're famous and so there's also these just different entryways in even for those instagrammers though like they build a network for themselves that takes time but again it's not overnight you know and almost you know why well, i can't say some things are overnight uh but i wonder how long do they last but you know everything kind of takes time right yeah, not to take talent, like having talent away from those people, but it's a new entryway in that just never existed before. And now we have so many other new screens that they can, people can be on. So that, that of course, is going to have an effect. What is one piece of advice or information you wish you knew at the beginning of your career that you had to figure out on your own along the way? First and foremost, I would say the job of the actor really is to understand humans and humanity. But the first thing that, that one needs to do before really understanding human nature is to understand themselves. Mm. And so one thing that I would really encourage young actors to do is to learn themselves in an honest way, either through journaling or, I mean, I'm a big advocate of going to therapy, but make sure that your therapist understands what it is to be an artist. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know what that is. Yeah. And those people can't really help. But really, it's important to understand yourself and understand your feelings and not push them away or pretend they're not there, but to have the freedom and the bravery to explore them in a real way. Mm -hmm. Because it's through the knowledge of oneself that you can really start to understand the many aspects of humanity that we are required to break down in our work. Mm -hmm. You get a script and 
if you don't really understand people or why people do people behavior, why people behave in the way that they do, it's very difficult to figure out a character and figure yeah. out a scene and figure out a circumstance. So know yourself. That's number one. And then the most, probably the most important thing would be to learn how to refocus yourself away from self-doubt. Okay. That's been it, one of my biggest struggles. Mm -hmm. um, and I was able to learn actually through my therapist that, mm -hmm. that self-doubt is a pathway, a literally a neural pathway that, that we create in our brain. That when you continually return to a certain thought process, like I suck or I don't deserve this or I'm worthless or whatever your tape is telling you in your mind, mm -hmm. you're reinforcing that neural pathway. So it's very easy for you to go back to that kind of tape. In your mm -hmm. brain. The work is to change the neural pathway and to substitute those negative words or the self-doubting words with positive words. And mm -hmm. I know this is kind of esoteric and kind of like, yeah, but like I, I think it also applies to just so many things in this industry, yeah. you know, where it's like you're uncertain. You don't know when you're going to get the next job, the next thing, or if your script is good enough or if your reel is good enough or, um, you know, whatever. And it's so easy to just like get yourself into that loop. And then also even once you get the thing you want, now you're in an imposter syndrome territory, right? Do I belong? Yeah. Am, am I really supposed to be here? They must have made a mistake. You know, and you just go, you just doubt yourself, doubt yourself, doubt yourself. Right. right. So what I would say is learn yourself well enough to, to be able to catch yourself in the spin of that and be able to stop yourself before it gets out of control. I remember as a young actor, I would spend days, literally days, like if I would not book an audition or I would have a bad audition, days beating myself up and doubting myself and hating myself, like a lot of weird psychological shit yeah putting myself through mm -hmm. but what because i had a bad day <laughs> yeah so it's really important to learn early on mm -hmm. how to support yourself and to how to be your own champion and to understand that that's a physiological thing that's happening in your brain and you can change it right what's your what's your piece of advice that you wish you known at the beginning my piece of advice would be to bring yourself be yourself don't try to be someone else or someone who they told you to be. You must always be you. And that's why I say constantly in classes, that is the one thing that will make you uniquely different than anyone else. If you just bring yourself to any audition, to any role, you know, be yourself. And it goes piggyback on what Lynn just said, getting to know yourself. A lot of times you can get lost. You get lost with who we are. Having a good foundation reminds us church and God, you know, um, having a good solid piece of foundation. But if I had brought my skia to every role, I think I would look good even more. You know, but it took a while, and this is the beginning, it took a while for me to find to find that, you know, I am uniquely different as I am. Whether I read the part, I'm going to, you know, read it coming from a true space in Marcia, you know, that I can bring to the role and add to the role. Um, and a lot of actors, and I've seen it time and time again, 
on audition videos, um, they all of a sudden turn into a character, you know, and the best takes that we've gotten and people who actually got jobs were through all the fuck-ups that they did. And those were the, oh, wait, stop. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to set up. Can I go back? <laughs> okay, here. Let me try that again. Yeah, try that again. That's where we really got an idea of who they were. And they even looked because of their mess-ups. You know, so my piece of advice is find yourself, be yourself, because there's only one person that is you. Yeah. Uniquely you. Nobody else can be like you. That's the only thing that makes you different. So always bring yourself to every role you're playing and going out for, because that will separate you from everybody else. Nice. Okay, we'll end on two two fun ones. So what was or has been your favorite role to date? I, you know, I was playing um, Rhonda King in Robots. So much fun. I had. I, <laughs> and, you know, it gave boost my confidence because I had just had my son chase. And I, you know, thought I was being in fact. So I did everything to get ready for this role because it was a close-up of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Which looks very sexy. And in real life. <laughs> It's good ass. You know, I, I really work hard, you know, to get the ass that is shown on <laughs> And it was just a fun character. And I, I like to play fun, interesting characters where you just never know what they're going to do. And that's how Rhonda King and Mo Bumps, that's how she was. She was one of my favorite characters. In the movie. Nice. Love it. What about you, Ben? Oh, God. You know, I, I have a hard time answering this because... Um, I, I, I have loved every job I've had. I really have. So I, I have a hard time picking. And, yeah. then, and I haven't had one yet on TV or film. In theater, I've had some mm. amazing roles. But I haven't had one yet in TV or film that I feel is substantial enough mm-hmm. to say, oh, it was definitely that one. Yeah. Um, but I've loved them all. And I, I've <laughs> been fortunate to work with some incredible people. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. they've all been great. Hopefully sometime in the next year I'll be like, Well, when I played blah 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 <laughs> and I was on the set for four months, that was the best role of my life. Wow. Okay, so final final question. What show or film do you wish you'd gotten the chance or could get the chance to to work on? Oh amazing. The yeah. dream show or film. Dream past, present, oh. future, whatever. Girl, I would have to say fame. If I could have played Debbie Allen's role, I mean, because we're talking now. Yeah. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a grown-ass woman. And if I could have played, now nobody could play that role as well as Debbie played it. But if I could have, if there could have been written in Mm -hmm. a white dance teacher (laughs) who was very much as sassy as Miss Debbie and sexy, that or or also any like gangster. I want to oh. be a gangster mold. So yeah, oh, really? Oh, give me anything. <laughs> Falco stuff. Okay. Yeah, give me give me Tony Soprano's wife. Oh, child, go crazy with that. <laughs> nice. I would. Wow. Speaking of that, you know, I always honestly wanted to be on a TV show, reoccurring, not the main. Mm-hmm. I've always said I wanted to do 
like uh, this is going way back, but good time. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just read they're going to redo it, Marcia. <laughs> I just read they're going to do a remake. Kenya Kenya Barrett is going to do a remake. What? And I know him. I know you do. Yes. Marcia is about to be on Good Times. Okay. Good Times the remake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, amazing. Oh, that's great. Nice. I love it. Well, thank you so much to the both of you for being on the pod and joining me for the Whisper Network. I really appreciate it. You are most welcome. Thank you. We love you. <laughs> Thank you. Are. And you are a complete Yeah. Produced, yeah. Produced a short film. You have premiered as a stand-up comedian, and now you're headlining. Mm -hmm. And you have this podcast. I mean, you are unbelievable. You are so inspirational. Thank you. The fact that you call yourself Doctor Nikita Hamilton today, I almost fell over the door. I was like, oh, holy shit! She is really a doctor. What? Love it. Thank you. Yeah. Even though, you know, I actually needed that for so long, I was only so that out. And that was our main thing was like to feed the soul of others. And which is what soul food is, you know. But if that's what you read, it's like you feed the soul and you're continuing on with that. Our job is done or is being done with people like you. Everyone go to acting class at I am Marcia Tillman Actor Studio and then in a year you don't know where you'll be. <laughs> yeah, you'll be doing all the things. You might have a PhD. You might have done your short film. So yes, thank you and this is the Whisper Network. Bye. The Whisper Network is produced and distributed by Critical Frequency.
Our producer is Amy Westervelt. Our theme music is by David Whited. This episode was recorded at Forward Studios in Los Angeles, and our sound engineer was Matthew Nelson. You can find The Whisper Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review the podcast. We'd love to know what you think. Plus, it helps us find new listeners. Thanks for listening.